Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome back to the Schmo Zone. This is episode three. The lights are still on. We are still in business. I'm Dave Schmolson, aka the Schmo. My co-host is Helen Yee Sports. Always great to be back, and this time without the bubble guts. So I'm feeling a lot better. Let's put it that way. Very detailed there. I got that great image going through my mind right now, Helen. I'm sure all the listeners have that image going through their mind too. Glad you're feeling okay now. Thank you. Yeah, it was crazy. I feel like, was it flu season? Because I got sick, then you got sick. We had that then... We had that three weeks worth of travel. Yeah. Someone on the airplane definitely got us sick. Yeah. We're... But the good news is, we're all better now. And I took the oregano oil. That stuff does work. So whatever I said last week about it, I was wrong. Glad to hear it. We had a great week, though, still, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Uh, well, I just remember being sick most of it, but um, we did meet Pete Rose. Your brother was in town for his birthday, 25th birthday, uh, kind of belated in a way. And then uh, the Golden Knights game, the shutout, which we'll talk about our free donuts that we ate. Thank you, Marc-Andre Fleury. Yes. I, I wish I could have had the whole dozen. Maybe when I when I weighed 217, I would have had it all, but the Las Vegas Golden Knights Saturday evening won nothing. They got the shutout yeah. over the Islanders. We were at the game. Tyson Fury, the lineal heavyweight champion, was hitting the drums that game. Mark Andre Fleury doesn't let them score. All the fans, they get a free dozen Krispy Kreme donuts. We took advantage of that. And like you mentioned, my younger brother was in town, belated 25th birthday. Diehard baseball fan. Got him to take we Took him to the MGM to meet Pete Rose, the legend, who should be in the Hall of Fame, but is not because of the gambling situation. And uh, we had a great conversation with him again. Well, Pete Rose loves you. But what I felt was really funny was every time he sees you, he calls you Schmoby. Whereas Mike Tyson, when he sees you, he calls you Schmoey. So, I mean, it's pretty cool. It's like their own uh, renditions of the Schmo. Good nicknames. I like it. Schmoey and Schmoby. Pete Rose is a great guy, and there's no bigger baseball fan than my younger brother. And of course, when we talked to Pete Rose, we had to bring up the cheating scandal of the Houston Astros with the yeah. sign stealing. And um, what I'm holding in my hand here, everybody, if you're watching this podcast on YouTube, they him and his son opened up a baseball. Yeah. Okay. And because I apparently uh, Robert Manfred uh, the commissioner of Major League Baseball, has been on record saying he doesn't know what's inside a baseball. Well, if you look inside a baseball, and I could post a picture later on on the Schmozone Instagram, and we can post it on the Twitter page too, 
of what goes inside a baseball, all the stitching and everything, but this is in the center of it. See this? It's a bouncy ball. It's a super ball. And they say baseballs aren't juiced. Pete said that used to be corks in the middle of baseballs. That's wow. a bouncy ball. It almost reminds me of those balls that you put a quarter in the machine and you turn it. Yeah. I mean, this is the, a super ball, right? This is yeah. what this is. So if you're a hitter and you're in, let's say, Colorado, high elevation or anywhere like that, man, this this puppy's going yard. This is going out, out of the yard. So that's why, uh, hey... Chicks dig the long balls. Home runs are sexy. When you got this, when you're hitting this, when a pitcher's throwing a 90-plus mile-an-hour fastball and you're a hitter and you connect it with the barrel of the bat, see you later. I agree. That was really cool, though, that they did that, and then he gave it to you as a gift. Pete Rose is a good man. He likes yeah. to schmo, and he gave me a you know, a baseball. And What's we, in the center of a baseball? We were talking to him for, what, like half an hour? Yeah. I mean, he held up the entire line because people... Go there. They get autographs, sign pictures. I felt kind of bad. I felt bad too, but we talked baseball, and it made my little brother's day. Talking baseball with a legend for like 20, 30 minutes. Can't beat that if if you're my younger brother, Aaron. Shout out to him. Yes. Happy belated birthday, Aaron. And again, I hope he had a great time, but how could you go wrong finishing up the birthday week with the shutout, the Golden Knights, uh, eating donuts? At least we ate as much as we could or allowed to. Um, and then also today we are filming on another special person's birthday. The GOAT, Michael Jeffrey Jordan, his airness. I'm wearing an MJ shirt. I got my MJ shoes on. To me, me the too. greatest basketball player of all time, the greatest athlete I've ever seen in person, a man who dominated his competition. And the kids today, they say, oh, yeah, MJ played against plumbers and all that kind of stuff. They don't know. There's no way. I, I don't think that they were better um, basketball players. Uh, they're better basketball players today. They might be better athletes today. I can understand the argument. Yeah. Uh, better science, better technology and innovation where you can evolve. Your nutrition is a lot better. Guys aren't smoking cigars and having six beers after a game like they were in the 90s or the 80s and whichever era you want to call out here. But they're not better basketball players the better athletes i can understand that argument but there's multiple hall of famers and guys that jordan went up against that would be just as good if not better in today's day and age and if jordan could access that technology in this day and age i mean come on please let's call a spade a spade if you want to make an argument look at both sides of the argument one of my uh -oh. biggest pet peeves there he goes again <laughs> anytime it's about michael jordan michael jeffrey jordan sorry his airness yeah, and I actually, I'm wearing the only red bottoms I will ever wear, these uh, Air Jordans, without the laces. Yeah, I mean. They're cute, right? I think Dana White rocks a pair of Jordans, too. I think he, he had the He Air actually comments or complimented on my shoes, which, um, yeah, I, I just don't know, like, what number they are, because I'm not really, like, a sneakerhead. I know that sounds bad, but, um, yeah, are you? When it comes to Jordans, I am. So, which ones are you wearing? The 11s. <laughs> Got it. Yeah, but, so we have a lot going on. I just interviewed Joseph Parker today, as well, former WBO heavyweight champion, like you mentioned. I mean, this weekend, huge rematch going on. Should be such a great fight. Um, Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury. Then over across the pond, right, in New Zealand, 
Paul Felder, Dan Hooker. That should be a fun fight in the lightweight division. Yeah, I cannot wait for fight week. Tomorrow, the schmo will interview Deontay Wilder. I'm sure the schmo will interview Tyson Fury again on yeah. Wednesday, too. You know, we're going to have to be on our phones and use the ESPN Plus because I think that it's going to be an ESPN Plus fight or ESPN mm-hmm. to watch the Felder Hooker main card. But we're here in Vegas. We're covering the heavyweight boxing title fight, Wilder Fury 2. We can't miss that. But we should also kind of give the fans a little behind the scenes of how our boxing fight week is and even like you know, some of those interviews and whether tomorrow they're making their grand arrivals, right? So Tomorrow's we'll the grand there. arrivals. And I've said this before, boxing's a different beast when it comes to covering it as media. There's a lot of people with camcorders cord- just holding it out there, getting in fighters' faces. They have a scrum. Gosh, I hate scrums. I hate that word scrum, by the way. I just yeah. want to say that. You and I both do our interviews outside of scrums. Just that name is ugly, scrum. Yes. Oh, we got a media scrum. So that just means that everyone's getting the same content and whichever outlet that the audience wants to go to to find that content, great, lovely, wonderful. You're not getting anything unique. But um, I hate scrums. But I bring up the scrum because in boxing, there's always scrums. You know, a fighter, Deontay Wilder, he'll make his grand arrival. He'll have a scrum. Then afterwards, the scrum's over. He's walking away. And then someone else starts a whole new scrum. And he starts talking. And that's how it works in boxing. Like, little mini scrums develop out of nowhere with any fighters. Oh, post-fight, we see someone like Danny Garcia in the audience. Oh, let's let's stick a camera in his face. Let's let's get a scrum going. Let's let's talk to Danny Garcia. That's just how the boxing world is. You got to be extra aggressive. And I'm prepared. I'm on my toes. But... Yeah. Before we do that, though, we have a loaded show today, right? Of course. A very special guest. I was laughing when I heard uh, his last podcast when he was on Joe Rogan Experience. He's one of the best, if not the best, uh, filmmakers in sports. I always say that, too. I I love his work. Amazing work. He's got over 400,000 subscribers on his YouTube channel anatomy of a fighter his name is will harris he's awesome now what i love about what will does is he really gets inside the training camps the minds of the fighters the anatomy of the fighters and that's exactly what you're getting he he takes the production to a whole new level and he's kind of breaking into this industry in a very different way Mm -hmm. kind of like how what we're doing doing it on our own I don't even want to call it gorilla style. I want to call it efficient style. And creating our own path, right? Creating our own path. He's a great storyteller. Amazing. The fighters trust him. We have him in studio. And then we have Joey Jitsu, Joe yeah. Benavidez, who's fighting next week in Northfolk for the flyweight championship of the world. And actually, if you go to Anatomy of a Fighter, I think it's it's the highlighted video he goes into the anatomy of Joe Benavidez, the extended trailer. So it actually works out well because we're going to get both of them in here together at some point towards the end of this podcast. And we can get a unique perspective of the filmmaker talking to to the subject and yeah. getting the take on both sides. But anything you want to say before we bring in Will Harris? I'm just excited to talk to him. Let's bring him in here. The man himself, Will Harris from Anatomy of a Fighter, making his way down to the hot seat. Hey, 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 hey. No. <laughs> <laughs> hey, 
What's going on, you guys? There he is, man. What's up? What's up? What's up? What's how up? how was right? your swim? I saw you post that tweet yesterday. Uh, swimming is, uh, I'm a fish. It's something that I love to do more than anything. Uh, low impact. I got bad yeah. knees because of basketball all my life. So, yeah, swimming every day for an hour, sometimes two hours, trying to shred up. You know, Khabib versus Tony is coming up. So, anytime I cover a fighter extensively like that, I got to get in shape with him. But I heard, doesn't Habib swim too? Yeah, in rivers where you could die. Damn. <laughs> That's <laughs> another level. Yeah, that, I'm not doing that. Like, I don't know what's in them rivers in Dagestan. You have the basketball background. Let's just nip this in the bud. I know you heard me talking about Michael Jordan. It's his birthday. We'll get into the MMA fighting, but no question, Michael Jordan's the GOAT. No. <laughs> Love it. Uh, I'm from Illinois, born and raised, uh, Southern Illinois, but uh, I was a Laker fan all my life. I mean, Jordan, resume-wise, is the greatest basketball player ever, ever. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm picking Kobe or LeBron over him far as skill-wise. I, I feel like Jordan said it himself that after he retired, it was going to be players better than him. And I feel like the game just evolved to a point where players are just more sk more skilled than him. Um, no one, like, he's not in a conversation a GOAT. He's the GOAT of GOATs. That's, uh, you know, as some of my friends say. So, to me, my heir <clears throat> was the Kobe-LeBron heir. Like, Jordan, obviously... You know, 96, you know, I, I mean, I knew who he was. I was, you know, still in high school, a little, you know, young. But to me, what Kobe meant to basketball, to me, I'm just biased. And I think people from Chicago are biased, right? It'd never be nobody. Yeah. You're from Chicago, right? That's right. Yeah. So it, it's it's just no, you can't argue that, right? So for me, it's um, uh, Jordan is the GOAT. But to me, I'm, if I had to choose a player, it's going to be Kobe or LeBron. Yes. Interesting that you said skill wise. Well, we won't spend the whole podcast arguing with you, but uh -oh, you, how do you, you got differentiate? What about as an athlete? Where does Kobe and LeBron rank as an athlete against Michael Jordan? I will say Jordan is up there. Uh, I think LeBron is uh, a freak of nature. Yes. Six foot eight, two sixty. Could probably you know play tight end better than Gronk or somebody like that. Uh, it's, it's sort of like. Like, LeBron is Francis size. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And he's a basketball player. Uh, Kobe and Jordan are more closer. But <clears throat> you said something earlier about the technology. If Jordan played in today's era of technology, it wouldn't be close. Um, Jordan would be head over heels of everybody else if he had access to that technology. And when he retired the first time, he went to play professional baseball. Made it to the double-A level in Birmingham, but... Uh... I don't see other athletes. I'm obviously got the Deion Sanders. He is the GOAT athlete to me. Because uh, if you Google Deion Sanders playing basketball and you see in the dunk contest, they had a dunk contest with football players, and you see the athleticism of those guys doing 360s and, you know, double back slams and things like that. And then the fact that he played baseball competitively and then football. What about Bo Jackson? He was an all-star baseball mm -hmm. player and he was a pro bowl nfl football player would have been a hall of famer if he didn't have that freak hip injury too hip well, pointer i would yes but I, I would have to see him play basketball too because i think you the most athleticism athletes in the world are basketball players because i agree with that like because yeah. running and jumping stopping turning like you playing defense every 
four seconds. Like it is ridiculous to be like Tom Brady, right? Football, just an offensive player, right? You know, you're not playing defense. You sit down for a, a drive and then you on again. Basketball players, you have to imagine, man, it's LeBron having to guard Kawhi Leonard and you know Giannis and all these guys. Like that's just. But that's Different. and that's exactly why I can't entertain LeBron in, in the GOAT conversation because how many defensive MVPs does he have? I mean, Michael Jordan has a defensive MVP, 6'6, 215. LeBron James, 6'8, 260. You would think he'd have a defensive MVP. Yeah, I, I think if LeBron really wanted to play defense, he could. But at the same time, you I mean you have an argument there. But he, Kawhi, he always uses that. Kawhi argument. Leonard has one too. Like, I just saw the stat. Kawhi is the only player other than Jordan to have a All-Star MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, and Finals MVP. I can't wait to, uh, for Kawhi's career to end. I'm not saying I want Kawhi's career to end. I think when his career does end, he'll definitely be in the GOAT conversation, no doubt about it. I think so, yeah. No, not me. Well, really? I'm not going to say that. If Kawhi and the Clippers win this year, then you start. You have to start putting them in there, even though his demeanor is different. You would have to start putting them in you that have conversation. To. Yeah. You have to. Yeah, you would have to. Because, I mean, he has that. If it's any player that has adopt, adopted that mama mentality, it's him. I just hate how uh, in the finals last year, when, you know, he obviously won it with Toronto, but against the Warriors team that was so depleted, I still think the Raptors would have beaten the Warriors if, like, a Clay Thompson was healthy. Uh, but they were so depleted. They have so many injuries on that team in the yeah, finals that, last that year. That was like a mulligan title to me. But <laughs> you can't take it away from him. You can't. You can't. You, you can't. can't. He got uh, two titles with two different teams. It's, I mean, I don't think there's ever been a player to get three titles with three different teams, right? Is he's gonna gonna be him or LeBron? That's it. The first players yeah, ever. So. I believe. Yeah. I believe you're right. <clears throat> Let's segue into the sport that we're both covering. All three of us are covering, yeah. and that's mixed martial arts. You know, you and I clearly have this love for basketball, and it's segued into the fight game where you're only as good as your next fight, man. Uh, what I love about you, and we said it introducing you, is that, you know, you carved your own path. You take no prisoners. You make it your own. You navigate through this crazy landscape, and part of the show is through the behind-the-scenes look through heart and hustle, man. And I'm sure you've had to go through so much red tape to get to where you are, man. What's kind of some of the biggest obstacles you've had to overcome, especially when it comes to politics in the mixed martial arts industry? Well, in the beginning, uh, when you're nobody, no one cares. You're just a guy with a camera. Even if you're skilled, I want to film you. Everybody lets you film them, Right. Uh, I feel like once my brand became a brand, uh, I didn't I didn't foresee the politics that would come into the sport, right? My beeline was straight to a fighter. Listen, I'm good at what I do. I want to tell your story. Um, the whole reason why Natty Me a Fighter was created was because I felt like the UFC didn't promote every fighter. They they're a business, so they're gonna go after what sells, what people watch. So I looked at it as an opportunity to tell stories of all these guys when I was in Florida that ain't getting no shine. But I'm like, damn, he in the UFC too? Damn, he got 20,000 followers. No one knows anything. So I said, okay, I'm in the gym every day with these guys. Let me start putting out content just in the gym daily. I mean, that was just my passion. I didn't, I didn't look at it as anything else. After a while, you know, I was covering Michael Johnson versus Khabib. I didn't even know who Khabib was. And um, 
I followed Michael around for like two weeks. So we get in, you know, at home, the access, him training, him eating. Um, after he fought Khabib, um, I, I shouted Rashad Evans for an actual fight week at UFC 205. And that's when I had an idea of uh, I'm going to make a documentary and I'm going to call it Anatomy of a Fighter. I was like, listen, I feel like I, when I'm on Netflix or anything else, I was like, there's nothing around. So let me make a documentary. Let me fund it myself. And then let me just give it to Netflix or Amazon for anything. And then that'll just be part of my resume. I intended to be around a fight game for a year. Fighting is not my favorite sport. It's basketball. It's, you know, football, like things like that. So I didn't boxing. Uh, it wasn't MMA. So for me, it was just the fact that I developed these relationships with these guys. I was like, let me put something together and see what happens. Every time I filmed somebody, they lost. They didn't win. So from a storytelling aspect, I was like, I have that side of the story, but I need the winning side to complete the story. I'll film a guy, he'll lose. I'll film another guy, he'll lose. I'll film another guy, he'll lose. And then finally, I uh, filmed Big Baby Miller, Jarrell Miller, who was obviously supposed to fight Anthony Joshua. He fought Gerald Washington in Brooklyn at Barclays, and he won. So I had the boxing side of the fighter winning, and it was, the to this day, the best access I've ever had ever was with what boxing Showtime was able to give me. They gave me a pass. I was able to go backstage and do whatever the hell I wanted. Eddie Hearn, shout out to him. And um, I then filmed Kamaru Uzman when he fought Emil Mech. Shout out to him. He's fighting this week in uh, Auckland, New Zealand. Uh, and he won. And uh, I was like, okay, I have the win inside. So when Kamaru won, I was like, all right, if he fight again, I'm going to film him again. He won again. And then he won again. And then finally I met, you know, I shadowed Vulcan. He fought uh, D.C. for the title in Boston. He lost. Um, Francis, I had Francis. He lost to Stipe. Dan Ige, he lost. So I had these the beautiful moments of the, the loss because that's more beautiful to me than somebody winning. And um, I just kept going. And then I had so much footage. I was like, this can't be a documentary. It has to be a series. And that's how I started. But when you mention, like, for example, the boxing and getting, you know, all that access there, how has your access changed from when you first started covering MMA to now? That's a good question. That, that is a good question. We talked about that off camera. Honestly, <clears throat> I was warned uh, from fighters, from other people in the sport that as you get bigger, the, you, the politics will change your whole view. Um, you may make relationships with one a manager and his fighters, but you still want to film the other managers and his fighters. Uh, but those managers might not get along. So now all of a sudden it's like, can I film this fighter? Will he let me film this fighter? And then, you know, the politics, you kind of sway towards your relationships with fighters because I could care less about a manager. I have my relationships with managers, but I don't care about managers. I care about the fighters. It's called anatomy of a fighter, not anatomy of a manager. Not a man anatomy of your fighters is anatomy of a fighter. I don't care if you fight in Titan, PFL, UFC, Bellator, or overseas in a promotion we don't know about. It's all about the fighters. So yes, that gets in the way of it, and and it's it's annoying to me to this day. Like it really is annoying. That's two to this day's Deontay Wilder <laughs> reference. It's fight week, Fury and Wilder, and that's where you and I completely agree. And I've run into this issue too. 
and Helen sees it too. It's mm-hmm. the schmo and the pro. I'm there for the yeah. athlete. I want to get as many athletes as possible. I'm not going to just sit there and interview an athlete and not look to interview that athlete's opponent. I'm in it to entertain the fans. Facts. I'm in it yeah. to showcase the personalities of the professional athletes. And that's why I created the character in the first place. You know, no one wanted to give me a chance as Dave Schmolenson. So I created this character because this is how I can get to the personalities and a sport and the entire industry for what it's worth that desperately needs change, that need to see the personalities on the other side. And that's what we're doing. And that's what it's all about at the end of the day. Yeah. You know, when I first, you know, saw saw the schmo, I didn't know what to think, right? You know, but me being a creative person, I went to your channel, went to your old videos, and I saw you doing so many other sports, football, interviewing coaches. And I was like, he's grinding just like I'm grinding. So when I saw the act, and then I heard the content of your act. I was like, no, this is going to blow up. Like, this is not going to be something that is just going to fall, you know, by night and disappear. And, I mean, credit to both of y'all, like, grinding. You know, I talked to y'all off camera about driving to cities and yeah. things like that. I, I think the, like, fans obviously going to have the bias towards their fighters, their affiliations, whoever they like. Like, one thing the, the 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 blowback that I get a lot is, why don't you film this his opponent? I'm like, you know, Kamaru Usman, Kobe Covington. I would love to film Kobe Covington and Kamaru Usman. I talked to Kamaru Usman about it, and he was like, you should. But I don't know Kobe Covington. I've never met him. C- Tony Ferguson, Khabib. Like I don't know Tony Ferguson. I've never met him in my life. I would easily put him on an anime fighter if I could. But on top of that, I have to pay. I pay to fly to these places. Like people think, like, oh, you're so biased. No, no, no. It's called money. You have to fly to a city. You yeah. have to stay in a hotel. You have to do all of this stuff. And people don't understand. I can only do so much. It's only me that's filming this. I don't have a crew. It's one person editing, shooting, coming up with the storylines, the questions, the scoring, the music, everything is just me. And honestly, I like it that way. It's nothing preventing me from getting even bigger. It's just resources. And I talked about it on Twitter recently. Like, when I first started this, I was looking for a 100K loan from my bank. I had $30,000, $40,000 in my bank account. And I asked the bank for a $40,000 loan. You get denied. What do you need the loan for? I'm trying to grow a business, a brand. No. So, for me, it's like, damn, that extra $34K, what's it going to go to? Travel. Travel for what? To get more content. That's the only thing that people don't understand. So, if I had to tell fans anything, is that me, Schmo, Helen, we're doing this on our own. I, I mean, I have 400,000 subscribers. I'm almost at half a million, which is in two years is phenomenal. But at the same time, I feel like I can be so much bigger if I had a backbone to lean on, but I don't. So w- the one thing that I will take from what Joe Rogan told me after I did his podcast is keep fucking grinding. Like, don't stop. Like, no matter what, figure it out. He wasn't offering me an olive branch or a crutch. No, figure it out. If you really want this, do it. And that's what anybody. I have plenty of young filmmakers wanting to get into the fight game. And they're in my DMs all the time. And I try to respond to everyone because I don't feel like I'm that big. And I always try to tell people, make sure you're doing it for the right reasons. Don't do it. I don't do anatomy fight because this shit is cool. I, you don't see me on my Instagram posting pictures with fighters, taking pictures every day. I don't care. I, I post content. 
I turned my personal Instagram into a Natty Mill Fighter. I could change the name from Will Harris Productions to a Natty Mill Fighter and would never care. It's all about the fighters. I don't care who their managers are. I don't care what gyms they are at. It's about the fighters. And that's what it's going to be until I'm done. I'm not going to do this forever. But while I'm here, the goal is to make it the biggest platform in the world as a docu-series, free, for fighters. They will never pay me. They will never do anything. But one day, these brands will, these companies, they will pay me because they will not have a choice. And that's my mindset going into it all the time. And that's what y'all mindset should be. I'm going to make it undeniable to where you're going to have to mess with me. Yeah, no, I, I love that mentality. It's so awesome to hear because like David and I, we always talk about that and kind of having that hustle mentality, like at least for us too, it's like work like there's someone working 24 hours a day to take it away from you, like what Mark Cuban said. And be a disruption. Be yeah. so loud that the networks cannot ignore us. You know, be part of the conversation. You know, we might not have the same resources, but we will do whatever it takes. Like, I love what you just said there. It's like, it's on our dime to travel to yeah. these places. We have to go out there and go find sponsors that will help cover our trips. Yeah. And it's just us mm -hmm. two. It's finding finding the athletes and interviewing the athletes in the most unique, obscure places. Because sometimes <laughs> we don't get the same access as a broadcast partner of the UFC. We have to earn our stripes to get into the door. Yeah, but the bigger you get, you're going to get more people that are envious of it. It, it just is what it is. I never thought that um, I would be, you know, facing those type of things. You, you see what I'm saying? But at the same time, I feel like the bigger you get, the more – like I see the responses that fighters give you all the time. Uh, I see their their mannerisms, their faces when you interview them. They love you because they it's different. That's not a knock against a Brett Okamoto or Ariel Hawani or James Lynch. I like all of these guys. All talented. Yes, but at the same time, you bring something different. If you're not first, be different. You know, Uriah Faber said that to me after our interview, and he's like, "Business 101. If you don't, if you're not first, be different." And that resonated with me. It's such simple words too, and I don't know why no one said that to me before. And for some reason, when he said that to me, you know, the 41 year old washed up skateboarder. Nah, that guy's an OG. Nah, he is. He's an OG. But he said that to me. It really resonated to me. And that's what it's about because, and that's how I got into the fight game too, boxing and MMA. It's like these fighters are only as good as their next fight. They need the promotion. And i got to ask you too, because both of us are both NFL and NBA fans. Do you think this could ever work in those organizations? Because I tried this character. You know, it's it's been successful outside the lines, like really outside the lines, but the results, I wasn't able to make the money. And do you think you could segue into this? Maybe if well, your brand gets big enough here. I've met with Hollywood execs recently. Anatomy of Fighter is federally trademarked. It's, I didn't create Anatomy of a Fighter because of MMA. The title is because of life. Anatomy of a Fighter. We all are fighters. Everybody listening to this is a fighter. Whether you're, you're trying to lose weight, whether you... Your mother had, you know, cancer and you got to deal with supporting her. Everybody's a fighter in life. So I feel like this can segue to anything. My anatomy of a fighter series is I had a, a series called Hunger for More with a basketball player named Justin Dittman who played in the NBA. He plays overseas. It was called a Hunger for More. You can go on Vimeo, Google it, Will Harris, Hunger for More. 
It's the exact same content. It's just with a basketball player. My storytelling ability transfers to anything. It has nothing to do with fighters. But at the same time, with your act, my yes, you can do anything you want to do, especially you. Like, I, I don't see a reason why you're not on ESPN or you got your own show. Um, but it, it's, it's, it's liable to happen. You just have to continue to grind until they knock on your door. Because I'm not the type of person, and you don't seem like the type of person that's going to go beg for opportunities. You're going to create opportunities. Yeah, and I spent most of my 20s trying to get those opportunities. But look, if no one's going to do it for you, do it yourself. And you can't expect anybody to do it for no, you, too. you can't. And it's just going to make it so much more rewarding. And you can't sit there and complain about the cards that you're dealt. You got to, everyone's dealt their own cards in life. You know, your, your stories, whatever, you know, my dad paid his way through dentistry, dentistry school as a janitor. He worked as a janitor to pay his way through dentistry school. That's the mindset that he instilled in me. So I had to work my tail off to get to what I wanted. And I still am not where I wanted. And yeah. what resonates with me, too, is like I get emails from, you know, college seniors that are graduating. that are like, you know, hey, man, I want to work with the schmo. I want to do all this kind of stuff. Get it's it like, all the time. I don't know what to do with it because it's like, look, I want to help these kids. I'll give them all the advice I can. But it's like it, it actually makes me more angry. At these big networks. It's like, look. These are kids that want to be in the industry and they have no way in. Kind of yeah. like how I had really no way in. I had to pay to intern when I graduated college at NBC Sports Chicago and picked up a couple degrees in personal training just to make money before I moved out to L.A. But and as you know, man, it's just like I think we're in this day and age, this digital age, where it's like the Internet's a wild OS. You make it your own. Yeah. yeah. Listen. The, them YouTube checks ain't that great. I'm not a vlogger. I'm not Logan Paul or Jake Paul where I'm pulling in the big bucks. But at the same time, honestly, I've created a big-ass brand for myself and for fighters. And I'm going to do it regardless of what I get paid. I just, I personally have to figure out how to convince these other people to say, I'm going to join in on the fight game with you and help you out continue to grow the brand. Hey, it may take uh, next year. It may take three years from now. But at the same time, I'm going to constantly, constantly grind and get it. Now it's time to introduce the next guest here, Joey Jiu-Jitsu, Joe Benavides in the flesh. Hello. Helen went to we grab him. We love the him. flesh. We yes. love the flesh. This is the first yeah. time, man, <laughs> that I'm interviewing you as Dave Schmolenson and Will Harris over here. He has you featured Thank on the YouTube highlight <laughs> channel, he's just like pushing Come on, man, you right. anatomy you of a fire. Here, huh? yeah. Hey, it's a party up in yeah, here. Perfect. Okay. This is classic. This is great. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks Pleasure for coming down. down here. We spent a few days together recently. Yeah, man, we we we've bonded. This guy is a true artist, and he's bringing that medium to MMA, which is which is great. Which is, uh, I mean, I think we're actually obviously getting better at that. Like, I was with the Destin crew, and they were just like very impressive I like that. and. More and more stuff, you know, like coverage like that is great. I mean, this guy has an amazing eye and, and everything. If you've seen any of his stuff, it's, it's incredible. You look good, man. You're in Thank great you. spirits. You, I feel good. You yeah. got the biggest What's fight of your life. I know, man. for yeah. the title. You know what? Every It's another fight, you know? Every fight's the biggest of your life. Every fight's a fight, you know, at the end of the day. So, you know, this is great. There's a great accomplishment added to it um that's attached to it but you know i feel good i just love what i do every day so <clears throat> that is a lot of it you know feel 
just happy to do it. So the fact that I get to do it for such an accomplishment, you know, and um, in front of people and make them proud, like it's just, it's great. It's coming close, you know. Davidson Figueredo. Figueredo, yeah. Sure. Figueredo. Sounds Figueredo. good. I tried. Sounds I tried as to, good as anyone else did. Trying to give it some Spanish flair to it. I like it. I like it. So the flyweight title. Yes. Been vacant now because Henry Cejudo had to relinquish the yeah. title. Does that change kind of the flair for it at all, or is it still the same gold strap for you? No, not really. I mean, it. It. I think it adds a little more. Just like there's somebody else to fight. There's like new blood. You know, I fought Henry. I beat him. He's everywhere. Bantamweight, flyweight, this, that. You know, memes, whatever you want to call it. Calling out so the women. So it's just like. Look, there's like a new person to fight. There's new like blood and division. I think that is more important than anything. Like that's future stuff. You know that is um, that's something that's being built. You know as we as we speak, where like Henry has this thing. You know, no one's gonna be surprised. You know, at anything he does, everyone knows who he is. And look, the fight I think would be a great another great fight with me and Henry. But at the end of the day, that's his fight to to come and get back. You know, I beat him. He leaves, I get somebody new to fight, and um, and it's great, you know? I mean, <laughs> as far as talking, like, the flair, I mean, I guess there is less fair flair because I'm not dealing with triple C. I'm just dealing with, you know, a tough, like, scary Brazilian that, like, doesn't speak English, so there's not a lot of that. So, yeah, I guess it takes away that flair of, like, what we know is flair now in MMA, which it's become, you know, the build up and the back and forth and this and that. Because Triple C, if anything, he he adds he does add a little flair. <laughs> but were you surprised that he vacated the flyweight title? Um, the longer it went along, the less I was surprised. Yeah. At the beginning, I figured like, oh, he's the next fight. Um, you know, came out of uh, the Marla fight with an injury. Things started, you know, you start hearing little things, you know. He's not mentioning anything about me. I'm just like, I don't think he really has interest, you know, unless they're going to, you know, meet some crazy demands or something. So I didn't see interest the whole time, like, as it was getting closer and closer. And, um, you know, I don't blame anything on him. He has to do what's best for his career and the and the people with him. You know, it's it's more the the whole double champ thing that you know, causes these, these stalemates in the divisions that holds up, you know, like I was held up for a while, you know, Bantam weights were held up for a while when there was like real contenders and stuff. So it's really that, I think that, you know, it always comes to a stalemate, you know, someone is gets that glory one night, they're a double champ for a while. And it's like, Oh, I should vacate that, that one. So, you know, he did what he had to do. But, um, like I said, it's, it was up to him to come defend it. He didn't want to, you know, I, I move on, you know, looking forward gonna totally switch gears here beautiful part of the schmo zone is giving people <laughs> a behind the scenes look through sports at heart and hustle and I, I know you do that i know your wife megan olivia oh, does that of course huge supporter of you and will and i were just Quality. having a great conversation about the behind the scenes look the mm -hmm. red tape that goes on in the industry yeah. has there ever been any backlash because you two are married and she her job is to interview a bunch of fighters has there ever been any backlash or anything like that behind the scenes or biases or people calling that out or saying anything behind the back? Has that ever come mm -hmm. to fruition? I mean, look, MMA wouldn't be MMA, especially on the Internet, without someone saying something. Right. So True. people say something. Have people of consequence said anything? No. 
you know, everyone that's higher up and knows how, you know, we operate and how well we do our jobs and how professional she is. And, you know, they have nothing to say. You know, you do your job right. You know, the people, you know, that you work for, the people behind the scenes are going to notice that because that's first, you know, that's the first thing they see. Um, on the Internet, I mean, you can't get away on the Internet without having someone say something. Yeah. So people are always saying something, you know. I just block them or just don't even read it, but I'm sure it's there. But no, other than that, I mean, it's been great. I think it's um, it's a cool, it's a good thing. It adds, you know, honestly, I think something positive to both of us. It's unique. Mm -hmm. It's definitely unique. Uh, two high-profile people in the sport. Uh, obviously, if he wins the gold next week, she gets, mm. <laughs> you know, his wife gets to interview him. That's yeah. that's pretty. That's she's not. First, she's right? not working the show. Oh. The since I'm the main event title fight, she's, she's not working. Yeah. But just like you said, it's that much cooler at the end of the day when you go and you have an interview, you know, with your wife after like the first yeah. ESPN show ever. Like that was such a bonus for me. Is like she's working the first ESPN show as well. I just fought on it. You know, we get to share that moment together. Little things like that, and um, you know, I think, like I said, I think. In the industry, it's done nothing but, I think it's been nothing but positivity, uniqueness, you know, mm -hmm. everyone wants to talk about it. It's always something positive, unique, and um, yeah, it's, it's it's nothing but love, you know. We both just do her job. She works extremely hard, and uh, she never, you know, compromises her job. You know, she's always just um, very professional. Yes, Megan is one of my favorites <laughs> as well. Um but to change the subject again, because obviously UFC 247 mm -hmm. just happened, and I spoke to Cub Swanson about it a few weeks ago. I just wanted to get your thoughts since you're a veteran. Um, the scoring system, uh, what do you make of the MMA scoring system, and if there's any changes that you would like to see happen? It's really tough because the more changes it makes, there's going to always be room for error, yeah. I think. Um, you know, everyone's doing the best they can and there's as much good decisions as there is bad decisions. Um, I think it comes down to the people making them don't seem, you know, qualified as much. As far as the system goes, I mean, you can score a fight, I think on a 10-9 scale and it be successful and easy to understand. Um, it's a classic scoring system. I just think maybe it has a lot to do with the people that are judging it, you know, more than anything. Like, two educated people in the sport of MMA can sit there and I think make consistent judgments on a fight at, at a 10-9. At but, you know, if you don't know the fight, you know, you don't know how to, how to score it. So I think that's the major issue is they're not as educated. But there's too much. Like, there's too much in MMA to add half points and this and that and each strike is this like you know you hear crazy things it's like that just adds so much for these people now you know to try to do if they're not educated when i just think it comes down to a better a better judge i think you bring up a good point too with the education side of it too because it varies state from state yeah and and that i think is a killer especially if you're a fighter and you're like, oh, I, I don't want to fight in New York. I'm going to be judged this way or Houston or it's going to be different than California or Las Vegas. Don't you think there should be a way where you get everybody who's going to judge? I don't care what state you're in. If you're in Alaska, if you're in Indiana, you get them in the same room and you create some sort of standard criteria. Don't you think as a fighter that would 
build more equity in the judging of the sport? No, exactly. That part, the people need to be regulated, not necessarily the 10-9. So, yeah, 100%. I think they need to do more on that side, picking the right people to judge, regulate that part, educate that part, you know, and have competent people scoring MMA, competent MMA scoring MMA fights. Since you got this guy sitting right next to you and he just filmed you, like, what was it like when you first started working with Will? You know, that behind the scenes look, how he built that rapport and the trust with you as a fighter when he first walked into the gym and and you earned that trust. What was that process like? It was awesome. I mean, in our sport, you have to, you have to do that anyway, kind of to a point. Sometimes, hey, these guys are going to film you from the company. These guys are going to film you. And you always kind of have to accept it and just be as cool as possible. And to me, it's a bonus when you really vibe with the guy, when you really respect his vision, when you really just get along with him, trust him, feel like you're just hanging out. It's not a job. That's how I felt with Will. I knew he was creating something great. I could feel his passion. The first, I mean, we've talked before, yeah. so we're always cool. But once we started, once I started seeing his passion for the filmmaking, the documentary, the fight part of it, and getting that out, that was when I was all in, you know? And that doesn't always happen. You always kind of have to film stuff, and you might be like, I don't want that guy to film me sparring or hitting mitts, or maybe I'm not going to open up to him. I'm just doing it. Will, I knew, was someone I could open up to right away because he was creating something worthy of that. Yeah, and, and that's just the trust level that you have to develop with a fighter, personally. Listen, man, this this. The sport is ugly, and you have to gain the trust of not only a gym, you got to get it from the fighter. And then you got to, you know, the intimacy of them opening up, them inviting you to their home, uh, them riding in the car with you. Like, it's just certain things. And, and that's what I'm saying. Like, people don't understand. Like, I've had fighters sleep over my house. I've had, I've paid for fighters' flights before. Like, you bond with these guys. These are your brothers. And that doesn't happen overnight. It happens over you gain it. Our first conversation when we started filming the other day was about doing a, a, a short film for the Oscars. Like we, he wouldn't even. You're a big movie yeah, fan. He a movie yeah, movie Love movies. How was That's Parasite? It was great. Yeah. Go Amazing movie. <laughs> yeah. What? Basically, great movie. Worthy. Wor- this is the best way I'll explain it. It's the greatest overhyped movie ever. Like it's great and worthy of best picture, but like for some reason it's still overhyped. And like it's a hundred percent worthy. I saw it like the second day it came out and knew it was cool, but then it started to become very and then it's one of those things like, you know, where you know something and then everyone starts to know it, and then you're just kinda like, I didn't think that was gonna happen. Now it's not that whatever. But I saw the appeal from the beginning, so of course, you know, people were gonna love it. Not that I was like the first one to it, because I knew it was gonna be a critically acclaimed movie, even though I saw it the second day, but it just it just started getting this momentum that was just unstoppable where it's kind of like all right it was probably the best picture of the year but like somehow still overhyped so it was i mean it's still still a great movie she, they're going to make an HBO series on it too yeah she brings up that movie cuz she's been trying to get me to see it but she it's hasn't amazing. even seen Happy Gilmore and we oh, saw Uncut Gems so hey. she hasn't even seen what? Adam Sandler at his finest best Adam Don't Sandler movie is Happy Gilmore <laughs> Well, I mean, with Waterboy, maybe. With Waterboy? Or Big Big Daddy was always my favorite. Big I, think Daddy. B- I think Billy Madison is his oh, prime comedic. Bill, 
Because he's yeah. he's a big child in it, and that's how you know Adam Sandler. Comedic-wise, that's his prime. Dramatic-wise, I like Punch Drunk Love. And yeah, that was a good one. Punch Drunk Love is great because I love the director, Paul Thomas Anderson. Uncut Gems, incredible. But he was still a little closer to himself in character. Um, an underrated gem from him is called uh, Meyerowitz Stories. And that's, what, that that's with him, Dustin Hoffman, and um, Ben Stiller. It's really good. Since you're the big movie guy, let me get your take on <laughs> this. One of my, uh, you know, I think it came out when I was in college or maybe right before college, the movie Gladiator. Yeah, Gladiator? Not Gladiator, I'm sorry. Um, uh, what's the MMA movie with, uh, 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 the MMA movie that came out? Let's go, oh, the, go to uh, uh, Gladiator. Uh, no, no, the... it starts with the Warrior. Warrior? I'm an idiot. Yeah, Warrior. 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 What was your take on movie Warrior? <clears throat> uh, you know what? I honestly have not seen it recent enough or enough to have like an intelligent take on it you know what i mean i don't want to put out a thought that is not like blossomed as far as the movie goes because i don't remember it i remember watching it and just being like oh that was cool like it was an mma movie very dramatic like sports movie you know a little bit of like struggle and darkness and glory kind of typical with an mma medium so i thought that was cool about it but I mean, I don't remember being blown away. It's not like I got and I was like, I'm buying this on DVD and watching it every day. But I also don't have, like, enough to say about it where, like, I saw it recently. Very different movie from Gladiator. This guy knows his movies. Tom yeah. Hardy was great, but I rewatched recently. I'll just say Tom this. Tom Hardy is in Tom, it. Yeah. Tom Hardy's in it. And Nick Nolte's in it. Nick Nolte's in it. It's... And Joel Edgerton. Yes, Joel Edgerton. Yeah, you know it. Um, <laughs> it was so unrealistic watching the was movies, it? like the suplexes and all mm. that kind of stuff. After rewatching it now versus what when it came uh, out in like two thousand eleven, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. not there. Um, One of the best um, takes on MMA life made into a drama to me was a uh, Kingdom. Is a show. On Audience Network, um, I've heard of it. Jonathan Tucker, um, Nick Jonas was in it. Um, yeah, Matt Laria, another guy, Paul Hauser, who just played Richard Jewell, and he was also in like I Tanya. Um, he was incredible in it. And then um, Mark Consuelos, um, Frank Grillo, these guys. That was a good family-oriented drama around MMA that didn't like shove the MMA cage fight it in your face. Yeah, it was really good. So my favorite movie is The Dark Knight, and obviously with The Joker, oh, when Dark that Knight. came out, um, a lot of people were making comparisons, right? Like, who's oh, Joker? we got to make comparisons right now. Is that what we're getting at? Yeah. <laughs> Who's better, Heath or uh, Joaquin? What do you yeah. think? Who? As a method actor, I would, man, they best friends, too. They love it. Yeah. They was best I'm friends. So I, sad. I would say um, Phoenix. Yeah, me too. Me, really? I thought yes. he was. I mean, he got a little more flexibility to shine. It was his movie. Yeah. He's in every scene. Exactly, exactly. You know, it was his thing. You know, Heath Ledger came in and sold the show a few times, but he was limited. Like, Joaquin was, like, there and in his entirety. You know, you were engaged with him fully. He had a little more <clears throat> range to 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 use, you know, so you got to see kind of all of it. Yeah. So that's kind of what I feel when like. It was his movie. Dark yeah. Knight was, you know, he was a he was a supporting. It just sucks because he. They both was, won Oscars though. They did. For mm -hmm. it. it just sucks because Heath was like what 27, 28 20, years old. Yeah. I mean, he had so much life to live and so much potential. Yeah. I remember watching him in The Patriot. 
He was oh, such that's one of the greatest movies. One of the greatest Ten movies. Things I Hate About You. That was yeah. a great movie too. Yeah. Yeah. Such a, a talented actor. And if I heard a Knight's Tales nice surprisingly good. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, yeah. I haven't, I haven't seen good. it though. If he would have had the opportunity to build off of that performance, yeah. who knows? I never saw Brokeback Mountain though. I saw Brokeback. I saw it. Yeah. I heard it was a great movie though. It was a great movie. Yeah. Took um, a risk. Funny enough, too, every Joker, well, the main four we would think of, have all won Oscars. Nicholson? Two for Joker. Nicholson has won like three. Um, and uh, Jared Leto even won. Even though people That's hate true. his Joker, but yeah. he won. I liked, but his, he won Oscar. I liked his Joker, and it was more hip hop Joker. Was it? Yeah. So it's our squad Joker. So let me kind of wrap up the movie segment on this. And from okay. both your takes here is you're the filmmaker, you're the movie buff. If they were to make a MMA movie, if you mm. two were to make an MMA movie here, it's 2020, mm-hmm. build it. What could be a great storyline or what would be the focus? How would you kind of depict that story to the modern MMA audience? Well, filmmaker. I'm already writing a script. There we go. And it's more catered. Like, Listen, one of my favorite movies of all time because of I feel like I can make that on my own is the wrestler. And I feel like incredible. I would not tell the story of a Conor McGregor rise to stardom. No, no, no. I'm telling the story from a like a Phil Baroni. Um and s- struggling to to continue to live with his past and he still wants to fight and try to develop that that deep, deep story of how mm-hmm. this guy was once on top on the cover of video games and all of a sudden he's irrelevant to the new age. So if I told the story, it's gonna be that the 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 Chuck Liddell's, the Phil Baroni's, the not even the Rashad Evans because he's more relevant, but the guys that are living out of a a suitcase and the sport is bigger than ever now, and they the ones that built it. So I would tell it from that side. I think that's that is a beautiful take on it because that is a larger percentage of people, right? There's one out of this many that go on and make their millions, get their house, get a car, get this. There's a whole nother segment of people that self-destruct, you know? Like, my favorite boxing movie is Raging Bull. Me too. Right? Amazing. And it's a similar thing. Like, a Raging Bull of MMA style, wrestler style, where it's like, this is the other side. This is the duality of a sports movie. Like, not everyone just goes and has a glorious moment. You know, sport is sport, and it's also ugly and harsh, and you know, and there's downfalls, not just like rises. So I think that's that's uh, just perfect. And my last movie question though is, who would you movie want? Podcast. Yeah, who would you want to play it? Like, which actors would you want to work with? If for my story, shit, if I do like a Phil Veroni, I do Colin Farrell. Somebody, Colin Farrell, somebody like that. that. Yeah, because it's not. I'm not trying to get the biggest star. Because first of all, if I film the movie, I don't have the budget for the biggest star. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking. I I mean, I have a a a airy camera, so I can I have the the movie camera that can shoot a Hollywood movie. So I'm thinking, okay, limited crew, skeleton crew. Let me get a good script. Me and Joey sit down, go over it, and let me do it. Because that listen, my number one goal in life when it comes to film is to win an Oscar. I'm gonna win one. It's gonna be for. I've seen the script and it's. It's gonna be a documentary or it's gonna be a short narrative. I'm winning one. It's. I can say this on this podcast, Joe Rogan podcast, to the world. I'm gonna win an Oscar one day. I promise you that. Hundred percent. I seen his script for the short film, which 
and that vision is like huge to me like not like I'm going to win it. Like I have this script. It's for a short film because of this, because I have these resources. And it's like, that's the vision it takes. Um, as far as an actor, I also think it'd be cool to have an actor like a Colin Farrell or someone with the story to connect to real life, like also had a downfall, you know, or something oh, like that. Deep. Something like that. Like Birdman was huge because Michael Keaton was in it plain. You know what I mean? It reflected, it paralleled real life yeah. for the actor. You know who was Batman, but now he's like wants to make a this. So you could pick an actor like that, like a Colin like the Farrell. wrestler, yes, like Mickey exactly. Rourke, like Mickey, Mickey, like Mickey Rourke. I took exactly. a liver shot from Mickey York as the schmo. I think it was that, that in uh, December, in yeah. December when I was doing that ring announcing. I was talking about by that yeah. Smash Global. He had a couple of sips of alcohol in his system, maybe more than a couple. <laughs> yeah, took a. It was he was a fun guy. He's definitely a fun he guy. Seems awesome. That's that's what I love about y'all too. Y'all y'all range of content is crazy. Like it's like every week I'm looking forward to who you're gonna post on your Instagram <laughs> on your channel because I'm like, damn, I couldn't imagine if I was able to to really be over here, be over there. You gotta understand because my content is different. I'm tell I'm doing a documentary series, so that means about a I'm fighter. about a fighter. It's not like if I could just. Because so many people ask me all the time, like, man, are you going to ever do, like, interviews on your channel? I'm like, no. My channel is literally a documentary series on YouTube. You might need another channel. Nah, I'm cool. That's your thing. Hey, don't wear too many hats. Just do what you mm -hmm, do mm -hmm. and continue to build it. And, Joe, part of the reason why I created yes. the character, the schmo, is because I feel like fans want to get the personalities out of the fighters. You guys get the same repetitive <clears throat> types of questions, and I create the character to kind of break it open a little bit. Does the media side of it, you know, you're a cool, calm, collected guy and, and you're a fair sport to it, though, too. But does it get pretty predictable to you, too, when it comes to media? Yeah, I mean, fight day, fight week leading up to it. It's the same thing. I've. I'm like. Became worse at interviews because I don't have those like sound bites because I've done them all the time. I like. That stands like I don't just say like I feel as good as I have or I want to do this or I want to do that because I'm like doesn't that go without saying like I'm here for a reason like I fought for 13 years at the top level because I work hard I'm not just like I work hard you know or here's a training video you know I train you know that's why you follow me because I'm in the UFC fighting for a world title you know so like I don't need to show people like hey I trained today do you know I'm fighting? Check out my UFC hat or anything like that. It's like there is so much more to it. Like even like creating Dapper Scrappers goes exactly with what like you were talking about. It's like it's so hard to make an individual out of it that it's like, you know, we all wear the same thing. We fight the same thing. We answer fight questions. Instant conversation. What the heck's the guy wearing? Look at him. We can relate to him. Oh, he's this. He's that. You know, she's that. You know, little things like that. It's huge. But, you know, I mean, here and there, you get very surprised. Even in MMA stuff, I mean, you get a good, oh, okay, great. This is, you know, like the stuff with Will felt so fresh to me. You know what I mean? Like that documentary side. This is great. And I'm not just saying that because you guys are there. Like I'm, you know, having a good time. I'm not, you know, I'm engaged. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's sometimes hard to be engaged in a media day, you know, or, you know, just a regular filming that you've done a million times, you know. So it is it is hard to keep it fresh, you know, but I think that's just the nature of the beast, you know, happening time and time again. So 
you know, I love what you've done. I think that's so important in MMA in general. Not only are there fighters looking for an individual, but like you have to be an individual in whatever you do because everyone's going to ask the same thing in the same way, you know, with the name, you know. So I think it's uh, individualism, self-expression, um, I think is like everything. Yeah, 100%. Like what you do, what she do, speaking in Mandarin, doing in, like that stuff is unique because you're trying to be different. And I feel like, the more you continue to just build that, the bigger it's gonna get. Uh, I feel like the, the, there's no ceiling for what y'all trying to do because y'all doing it on your own. So you can do whatever you want to do, but you found something that's good for y'all and just continue to do it. It's, it's pretty much, that's the blueprint. Just continue to do it. I had 50, I will never forget it. I had 54 subscribers. I posted on Instagram, yo, I got this channel called Anatomy and Fighter. I couldn't even name it Anatomy and Fighter because you need 100 subscribers on YouTube. <laughs> and I was just like, I'm doing it because I'm like, fighters, follow me, right? But you have to just believe in what you're, what you're trying to do, and then eventually it's just going to take off. My moment wasn't Conor McGregor throwing a dolly through a bus. My moment was all those guys I was filming way before that to get me to that fight week. People think it's like, oh, you need these viral moments. You don't need viral moments. You just need to constantly be yourself. And that's why Helen's getting back into the swimming. Yeah. She's got her Mandarin. She's doing the swimming with the athletes. We got this podcast going. Uh, we went at it for an hour here. Guys, where can we find you on social media? Start with Joe. Uh, Joe Jitsu on Instagram and Twitter. Not very active on Twitter anymore, but uh, yeah. And then pretty much just my dog, my wife, food and stuff on instagram it's colorful and some weird stuff maybe some art or a odd picture on my story <laughs> uh me uh will harris productions on instagram i could care less about instagram to be honest um support creators man follow schmo follow helen Yee, follow me because we are here for guys like him we're here for guys like i said earlier andre sukumtath alan crowder the guys that are not in the UFC anymore. I will still film those guys um, and tell their stories because that's what it's all about. It's preserving the legacy of these guys. I'm a collector. I'm a collector of history. And one day, Benavidez is not going to be a fighter anymore. It doesn't matter if he's a champion or not. One day he may say, hey, you know, I, could I get that footage that we, we filmed? I'm preserving history. And I, I feel like it's important for all of us to continue to help build the sport. Listen, I'm one guy versus a billion-dollar company, so so are y'all. You know, ESPN, Disney is an entity that we can't compete against. But you damn sure know <laughs> I'm going to compete. So y'all going to compete as well. So that's what we're here for. Last word, Helen? Yeah, follow me, Helen Esports. We're getting ready for a great fight week. And also, of course, looking forward to Joseph Benavides's fight. Yes. Fights galore. Thank you for tuning Always. in. To the Schmo Zone. We appreciate you guys. Yeah, thank you. Staying here, chatting Perfect. with us. Perfect. Till next time, we're out. Indeed.